From the enterprise team at Zoho, this is Business Unusual, the show about companies and their leaders who have achieved success by doing things their way. I'm Arun Srinivasan. And I'm Austin Reese. As your host, we'll be taking you through stories you've never heard, or stories you thought you knew, of entrepreneurs and business leaders who succeeded on their own terms outside conventional business wisdom. Welcome to episode one of Business Unusual. Austin, let's go ahead and start off by telling our listeners a little bit about how this podcast came about and where the idea came from and why we thought we were the best people to tell it. Yeah, Arun. Uh, the company we work for, it's no secret to us that we do things different here. And uh, we kind of felt that we were looking for kindred spirits along that same continuum in business and through uh, you know doing things the right way that we feel is the right way. And so we, we set out to find other companies uh, that we could you know, connect to and, and tell their story. And beyond the company, it's even just the people behind it that create the culture behind those companies that allow them to succeed by, by doing something different. And so, you know, each episode, we're going to focus on one person and how they got to where they are today. Uh, we'll talk about the origin stories, the failures and everything in between while also telling you about the decisions they made or the ideals they pursued that earned them the business unusual moniker. So uh, with that, I think we should uh, probably just jump right in into episode one, where we are featuring Ariana Huffington. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Ariana Huffington, or for those of you who are, you may not know her entire story, but she is the co-founder of the Huffington Post, and she's the founder and CEO of Thrive Global, which is really a wellness company that's really prioritizing personal wellness as a an engine for uh, business success. And uh, we, we really see that as something that we try to embody at Zoho. And just in general, I think it's really cool that she's doing something different that we don't really hear about very much. And, uh, and we're going to get into that today. Ariana is the author of 15 books, and she's been named to Time Magazine's list of the 100 most influential people. And she was on the Forbes most powerful woman list. So she's uh, certainly no slouch. That's the truth. She is, seems to be doing something new every time you see her name in the news or somewhere else. It's it's almost like you can't keep up. I'm excited to hear more. Yeah, and I you know I have to admit before doing the research for this episode, I really only knew you know that she had founded the Huffington Post, but didn't really know too much about her. And as we get into this, there's going to be some left and right turns that I think are going to surprise a lot of our listeners and and you guys out there. So. Ariana Huffington, she was born in Athens, Greece, and she moved to England with her mother at age 16. She lived in England for a while and earned her master's degree in economics at the University of Cambridge. And at the University of Cambridge, she was actually the first foreign and third female president at the Cambridge Union. So, I mean, already as an adolescent, she's uh, clearly striving to be something more than average. So fast forward to 1971, she made a journalist named Bernard Levine. And he was actually a journalist and inspired her to start writing books in the 70s. So this was sort of the catalyst for her to, to start writing. And she published her first book, The Female Woman, in 1973. And it's really all about the women's liberation movement. By the time she reached age 30, she remained deeply in love with Bernard Levine, but she longed to have children. And it's interesting, you know, just getting into her personal life a little bit about the decisions she made here because Levine didn't really want to marry or have children. 
And Ariana Huffington concluded that she had to break away from him. And she ended up moving to New York in 1980. And it's funny if we retrace her whole history, how we can come back to this as being a very critical decision because after her move to New York was when she really became a global type of entrepreneur. And this decision, you know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate. It's very difficult to leave something or someone that you love and to cut that away if, if that does not sort of match with your future ambitions or intentions. Yeah, it's interesting, Arun, even in my own research, I'm sure with other people you've looked at, there does seem to be kind of these critical moments early on in someone's life, someone's career, and these entrepreneurs and business leaders who there's these moments that like change their life and it's you can go one way or the other. And it just so happens that they pick the way that leads them to where they are today. So it's really fascinating to to hear how different sometimes these moments can be, whether it's uh, not taking a job, whether it's going to some other school and not the school that you wanted to go to, or whether it's you know leaving someone you love. Totally. And what's interesting is that I would be willing to guess that neither Ariana nor any any other person who's experienced success as a result of these sort of inflection points even knows that this is an inflection point at that time. You know, she just thought, okay, well, this is not a good match for me. But little did she know that she would become this entrepreneurial powerhouse after 1980. Yeah. I wonder if there's something about like the intuition inside these people where it's like they, whether they know it or not, it's like a gut feeling and something that really pushes them one way and, and they listen to that gut feeling. Yep, exactly. And so once she moved to New York, followed that gut feeling, if you will, she you know, was working on publishing her second book and she actually faced 37 rejections before securing publishing for a second book. And a gentleman by the name of Ian Bell, a banker from the local Barclays, gave her a loan to actually pursue her writing career. And as she said, you know, it changed my life because it meant I could keep things together for another 13 rejections. So what we what we're seeing here is obviously some some you know critical determination that it's really hard you know personally speaking I'm not sure if I could face 37 or 50 rejections and without saying okay maybe this is the wrong thing to do right it's inter- interesting to me from my background in writing I wonder how much writing really paved the way for this ability to face rejection and handle it time and time again. I think anybody that does any sort of writing or any sort of creative work, whether music or art, it's like, it really primes you for this, like, you know, world where you're going to be like rejected time and time again. So I just wonder if, if something, if that writing background, uh, you know, got her ready for this and like was toughened her up, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say it must have, you know, when you face rejection like that so early on in your career. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs will will agree that in order to be successful, you need to know and learn how to fail. And, you know, I would classify rejection as, as a potential failure in that sense. So after facing all these rejections, Ariana started actually rising to U.S. prominence as a result of her marriage to Republican politician Michael Huffington, who actually made an unsuccessful Senate bid in 1994. Now, I don't know about you, but I was shocked to hear that she was married to a staunch Republican. And really, Ariana became known as a reliable supporter of conservative causes, such as Newt Gingrich's Republican Revolution and Bob Dole's 1996 candidacy for president. This is really surprising. I, I like for me, and I, I, I assume a lot of listeners, because I think we all know what the Huffington Post is really like kind of associated with. And, and so, yeah, this is crazy. 
Sure. I mean, we know the Huffington Post, you know, in the myriad of media biases, uh, I think most people would agree the Huffington Post tends to lean a little, you know, fairly left. And uh, which is came as a huge surprise to me that she was such a, you know, right conservative supporter, especially with figures like Newt Gingrich and, and even an outspoken supporter of Bob Dole in 1996. Uh, and in 1998, she actually had a weekly or she participated in a weekly radio show in Los Angeles called Left, Right and Center, where she, take a guess, represented the right. In the 2000s, things started to shift a little bit politically for her to sort of what we know about Arianna Huffington today. So she started a project called the Detroit Project, which is a public interest group lobbying automakers to start producing cars running on alternative fuels. The project's 2003 TV ads equated driving a sports utility vehicle to funding terrorism. So it was a pretty extreme sort of comparison. But obviously, as you can guess, right now, and we see, we see this right now as well with the supporters of sort of alternative energy, which tends to be a, a more left-leaning support, whereas the right side tends to support, you know, more traditional energy sources. So in 2004, she actually publicly endorsed Senator John Kerry for president. So a major departure from where she was before. And in 2005, she teamed up with America Online executive Kenneth Lehrer, who, uh, with just $10 million in startup funding, launched the Huffington Post, which was positioned as a liberal alternative to Matt Drudge's conservative news aggregator, The Drudge Report. So in the span of you know about, I guess we could say, eight to nine years, she uh, politically changed quite a bit. And I just want to pause really fast because... That is so rare to see, especially when you know when you're an adult. I think for a lot of people, a part of their identity is tied to their sort of political leaning, and anything that sort of challenges you to change your identity is is a is a huge hurdle. And I'm I think that's a testament to anybody really taking in information and be willing to change uh, their personal beliefs is is very um, not only surprising but it's it's a testament to the type of person she is as far as willing to do things differently. Yeah, I think it takes a certain kind of intelligence, a certain kind of awareness to question what you believe and question the things that you think are true continuously um, and not to just get stuck in your ways and not to get, for lack of a better word, lazy with uh, how you think. And it sounds like that's what she did in the situation. Certainly. And and regardless of your political leanings, uh, one way or the other, I do think it's a... Uh, it's a testament to her character that she's willing to challenge her own identity and to and to potentially reinvent herself and her thoughts based on things that she's learned. So continuing with the Huffington Post, they actually won a Pulitzer Prize from author David Wood in 2012. And as of 2018, they have over 100,000 contributors, including celebrities, who are regularly contributing content to the site. Rune, I don't mean to jump the gun here, uh, but I'm trying to remember back to the times I've you know, heard about Ariana in the news. Didn't something happen around this time with her where she may have like, you know, like was exhausted or like she, she makes some switch to like talking yeah. about, you know, wellness and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's so important that you bring this up because Ariana herself considers this event that I'm about to tell you about probably the most important event in her life. And that is this. In 2007, Ariana actually had a breakdown and as she says, her life was in pieces. And it was just two years after founding the Huffington Post, she experienced a life-changing moment, as she calls it. 
she literally collapsed from burnout. And as she says, uh, she hit her head on her desk, broke her cheekbone, got four stitches in her right eye. She woke up in a pool of her own blood. But she still calls this collapse the best thing that ever happened to her. Because, you know, the doctors who checked on her actually didn't find any specific medical condition associated with her collapse. But they pointed out that the only way to address her problem is for her to change the way she lives. And again, if we go back to a theme here, we see she's challenging her identity. Because a lot of entrepreneurs think, I work 20 hours a day and I work, you know, 80 plus hours a week and this is how I'm successful because I work harder than anybody else. But with Ariana, she began to question whether what she was experiencing in her life as far as work was actually what she defines as success. And looking back, Ariana actually attributes the success of the Huffington Post to her transition away from her old habits of overworking and stress. And as she says, quote, I have to assure you that the success of the Huffington Post happened after taking care of myself. And I think that's so, so critical to learn because that is not the typical attitude that we would hear from a lot of entrepreneurs out there who will say it takes a lot of work to, you know, build a company. No, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, we all have friends or family members who kind of embrace that work mantra where it's just like the more hours you put in, that's, that's really the better. And like the more exhausted you are, that's kind of like a badge of honor. And it sounds like with Ariana and that she discovered that was a better way. And that's not what she discovered would work for her. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and that's, that was, has really been the impetus to everything else she's done since then. So obviously we've talked about the Huffington Post. And as she says in 2007, after this whole incident happened, that the success of the Huffington Post is largely due to her reframing and changing the way that she approaches work and work-life balance and really approaches work with the mentality that by taking care of yourself, you work better, you work smarter, you're more creative. And I think that's missed with a lot of executives and entrepreneurs who think, I just got to put my nose down. I just got to put more hours in. And really, we see a great example here of that not being the case. Yeah. I, a couple of years ago, I read a really good book called uh, Great at Work. I just have it pulled up here. It's by Morton Hansen. And he, he kind of addresses the same issue is that there's this sort of this fallacy out there about how if you're at the office till 9 p.m., that means you're actually getting things done, but that's not the way that uh, good work happens. It happens by maximizing the amount of time you're doing. It, it happens by taking care of yourself. It happens by all these other things that's not you know exhausting yourself with extra hours at the office. Yes, exactly. And you know, so taking this sort of mantra in into account, Ariana actually decided to pursue this full force. And in 2016, she launched health and wellness company Thrive Global. And Thrive Global, as I mentioned in the intro, is really all about using wellness as an engine to create better work. And she's really one of the premier sleep advocates and really is interested in raising awareness of sleep deprivation culture that persists in companies around the globe. And this just goes back to what we've been talking about here, which is wearing it as a badge of honor. I don't need to sleep to be productive. But for her, sleep actually takes center stage in a lot of her interviews, speeches, and conferences. And uh, she is uh, really, for her, achieving a more productive and more meaningful and joyful and effective life is, is achievable through sleep. And going back to her definition of success, sleep is the engine for her achieving all of these other things whether it's uh, more meaningfulness in life, whether it's better work quality. 
and and really being able to appreciate the fruits of all that labor. It's uh, sleep being the engine. And her, her real mission is to make sure people can have enough sleep. Yeah. So all those times in college when my parents would call me at 11 a.m. and wonder why I didn't answer the phone. And I told them it's because I was sleeping. And that's you know <laughs> the reason is because I was, I was uh, making sure I was going to be more successful. Yep, exactly. And you know, even <laughs> in her in her Thrive Global office in New York City, she has a napping pod. So uh for all of you executives out there, something to think about. Maybe uh supporting a little afternoon nap, a little siesta after lunch might not be such a bad thing. I think it's a great idea. <laughs> I mean, who hasn't uh, come back from a good lunch and uh felt a little droopy? Exactly. You know, when it's you know, maybe pizza is on the menu or some pasta, something like that. It's not exactly encouraging you to get back to work at a 1 p.m. Yeah. So, you know, I've kind of told you the story of Ariana from the beginning all the way up until today, but I want to go back and really quickly look at, you know, how did she get here by doing specifically doing things differently than others? One of the things that we've seen is that she takes powerful action on her interests without any reservation, whether that's writing books, uh, whether that's facing rejection and still working on another book, it could be her political endeavors, which is, you know, jumping into doing a radio show and then taking powerful action on doing something that was completely the opposite as far as uh, her political leaning and uh, publicly supporting candidates on the other side. And we really see that she's never married to her beliefs or thoughts. And again, we saw that from her political affiliation, but we've also seen that as she actually stepped down from her position at the Huffington Post. And you know that's hugely surprising when you consider most entrepreneurs and executives behave in a way that, you know, you get to this spot and you want to keep it and you want to keep driving success because you're married to that. It's your baby. But for her, she really made that decision because she felt another calling, which is what she's doing with Thrive Global and uh, in the wellness area. And as she said, it was really hard for her stepping down from the HuffPost because after all, it was like her third child. But once she made the decision, she went full force into doing what she's doing now at Thrive Global. Yeah, I think part of this too that that you know has struck me is sort of this willingness to do what you believe in and not really worrying about how it's perceived. So you know, some people, if, you know, leaving the Huffington Post, you know, some people might be like, "What are you doing? That's you've reached this the highest level you can get to in, in this media landscape, and you're just going to leave." And her just really not caring or not really making that part of her decision-making process, um, mm-hmm. really listening to that inner voice, really pursuing things, pursuing better ways to do things. Uh, so that's something that at least has grabbed my attention from hearing the story. Oh, definitely, definitely. And one other thing that she does that's, that's so different than what we hear in, in a traditional sense is she takes time every day and she completely disconnects in order to prioritize herself. And again, we see this sort of, trend among entrepreneurs and executives where we're always connected. We're always on the phone. We're answering emails at all hours of the day. But for her, the moment she gets home, she turns all of her devices off. No phones ringing, no emails buzzing. Her bedroom is actually a no phones sanctuary so that she can't be tempted. And I get it. You know, I sleep with my phone on my nightstand and in the morning, I'm always tempted to grab my phone, take a look and, you know, see, see work-related tasks and chats and emails coming in. And you want to answer it in your, in your bed or get a quick start on the day. But for her, she starts every morning by very deliberately not picking up the phone. And instead she does, she takes a few minutes to breathe deeply, be grateful, 
set her intentions for the day and she'll do 20 to 30 minutes of meditation and maybe another 30 minutes on the bike. So it's a very different sort of disconnected strategy than what we as a corporate culture, executives and entrepreneurs are probably used to. Yeah. And uh, we're recording this at the end of 2020, which as so many people know has been a year unlike anything else. Uh, I'm, I'm in Austin, Texas, Arun's in San Diego. We're all at home most of the time working and it's hard to disconnect like that. It's, it, it was hard before, but I think this year it's sometimes it's even been harder to really find that uh, sanctuary and that refuge. So this definitely is something that we should all be listening to. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the last thing I want to bring up about Ariana doing things differently is, you know, one of the things is she's really willing to abandon strategies that worked before to try something completely new. And as she says at the Huffington Post, her goal, the goal of the Huffington Post was to really cover everything, be it James Comey's firing or Beyonce's twins, they were supposed to be there. And with Thrive Global, she pivoted to becoming very, very narrowly focused. And they created something called Below the Line Potential Partners, which they said, okay, we're going to get to these guys later, but really we need to be laser focused on taking advantage of the big, big opportunities first. And then once we, once we get some of those opportunities, then we'll start to expand our blanket. And so it's a very different strategy that she employed at Thrive Global than she did at HuffPost, where it was really casting a huge wide net. And so I think a lot of times, again, as entrepreneurs and executives, we get married to certain ideas or having success uh, doing things a certain way. And uh, she's demonstrated that by doing things completely different way in, in different scenarios, being willing to do that can really pay major dividends. Yeah. And I think doing things differently and also her, you know, maybe taking the time to think, uh, to like relax her mind, that maybe benefits her a lot in, in finding new ways to do things, um, really just slowing down and using that time to maybe have bad ideas and think of crazy things, but then settle on something that clearly has turned into great ideas. Yeah, exactly. And so fast forwarding to today, Ariana is is involved in a lot of things uh, related to COVID-19. She appeared at an event with Harvard Business Reviews and a live talk about surviving and excelling in a world upended by COVID-19. Uh, and she even had a talk at the Stanford School of Medicine about problems brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic and, and really had a overcome them. Because again, now with her focus being primarily on wellness, this is uh, as good a time as any to really prioritize your own health and yourself. And really, you know, as we know, some of the best cures for being sick is, is really just being in a positive state, not being stressed, being rested well enough, being a healthy person. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think not speaking for you, but I know through this whole year, it's really been something that I've had to refocus on is just making sure taking those little moments to check in and be like, Hey, are you taking care of yourself? How are you going for walks? Um, are you eating healthily? It's, it's things like that where, uh, she's really, she was ahead of the game. And I think, you know, these, the best entrepreneurs and business leaders they're they are to some degree like that they're ahead of the game. They're influencers in that genre. Exactly. So, you know, that brings us to the end of this. And as we'll do with every episode, I want to challenge you to really think about doing things different. And with, as in Ariana's case, it's really taking powerful actions on interests without any reservation and not remaining married to your thoughts. And really, primarily, it's prioritizing your wellness and your recovery and your sleep as an engine for your success and your creativity. Business Unusual is brought to you by Zoho, an enterprise platform that adapts to your company. From sales, marketing, and customer support to finance, human resources, and a low-code developer platform, 
Zoho software solutions address virtually every area of business. Go to zoho.com enterprise today and discover a refreshingly different way of doing business.